Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Turns his punt well, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> Naeem Hines with 124 yards punt return-wise today. And they get this one off. Hines takes it to 30, 35. He's at the 40-yard line. Spins off a block. He's at the 45. He's at the 50. Near sideline. He's going to cruise down the near sideline. He may go. He's at the 10. Touchdown, Naeem Hines. His Woo! second punt return touchdown today. Holy my. Naeem Hines with his second punt turn touchdown i-n-d-y it's now 30 to 6 like a proud father watching a son get his first baseball hit in little league that's what kevin bowen felt like watching naeem hines house him twice a holy my for matt taylor as naeem hines sparks the biggest win of the season for the colts merry christmas happy holidays to all listeners of Kevin's Corner, I'm Kevin Bowen back. Another edition of the podcast. Joey Molinaro. Across the way. Joey, Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas to you, man. Yeah. Monday morning, we are recording this. Hopefully, everyone has a safe holidays and enjoys the time with their family. And certainly an impressive performance for the Colts. We can argue how much it means, but um, yeah, that was dominant. Really in every facet, you know, outside of uh, another mediocre day for the passing offense, it was really um, a thrashing of the Panthers, and you saw one team that looks like they definitely have quit, and another team that, you know, hasn't quit, and hasn't thrown in the towel, and I feel like you always have that question, Joey, like, I don't care if Frank Reich, you you don't expect to have a Frank Reich football team, but there's still that question of, like, do you see anybody make business decisions out here? And if you're going to make business decisions, you're probably going to make them on special teams. Because, like, that's the – you can get killed mm-hmm. on special teams. The Colts didn't make any business decisions yesterday. I mean, that was a no penalties. Like the first time in 20 years Colts have had a game with no penalties. So, some credit certainly to Frank Reich and his football team on a short week, having the effort and having the execution. Uh, again, does it matter? To some, it might not matter at all. But it is still, I think, good to see this team and not throw in the towel, not quit. Uh, and I, and I, I do think that's a positive you can take out of it. Yeah, but kept seeing those reactions on Twitter and social media. <laughs> yeah, just, but which this, is pretty much what sums up the whole thing. This, this team is infuriating. I mean, you go a month and a half where you just play like a complete dog, you know what, yep, and yep, then yep, all yep. of a sudden in this game, it's like, ah, oh, this is a team we were waiting on, so... Yeah, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. You know, it summed up the day was when they had blue bang the anvil. You know, that kind of struck me as one of those days where it's like, okay, uh, we've texted six alumni players. They all have said no. Who should bang the anvil? Blue! Just throw blue out Why there. Why not? It'll get them hyped. Why not? Yeah. So Put blue, on a good show. Blue was banging the anvil. The loudest cheer all day might have been when Homeboy got ejected for uh, punching Jack Doyle, which was unbelievable. But, um... NFL players punching each other in helmets never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, it was so weird. It just seemed like he was just like, I'm done. I don't want to be here. Oh, yeah. Bam. 
double birds, and then, mm-hmm. you know, his agent called him in the locker room and was like, dude, you need to apologize. And he was super contrite after the game. But, yeah, 38-6 win for the Colts. Um, should we get into things I liked? Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll start. We'll do things you like a lot more than yesterday or last <laughs> week, the past few weeks, really. Definitely last week. Well, a little bit of one thing that you didn't like, and then we'll do Twitter questions, of course. But got to start. Things you liked. Our guy, Naheem Hines. Our it's guy. Been a long time coming. Been a long time coming, certainly. Um, and, you know, taking us and our affinity for Hines since he was drafted out for a second, like, this is a really good guy. I mean, he's he's uh, seems like a very kind of high character, fits that Chris Ballard um, sort of mantra. And in a way, this is why Ballard is so stringent on the high character philosophy. Naeem Hines openly admits, in a very candid manner, that dude was mentally fragile last offseason. He was not in a good spot. I, I think he said he, after the game he deleted social media for a while. Just couldn't take all the ribbing he was getting for his ball security issues last preseason. But he worked and worked and worked at it, and Frank Reich never lost faith in him in other areas. Like, his lack of ball security last year in the preseason when he put, what, probably three or four punts on the turf or fumbles or whatever, that never diminished how they viewed him offensively. They still were like, oh, this guy can be a dual threat. He can be a hybrid. Like, there is a role for him on the offensive side of the ball, and his work ethic, I think, is a big, big reason why and what we've been waiting for is the big play potential. That has not come. Um, and he's been very, again, honest about it. And I tweeted a few weeks ago something like when Hines first kind of had like an 18-yard punt return and then a 16-yard punt return. And I tweeted like, this is the explosive playmaking we've been waiting for from him. Because when he's touched the ball on offense, the chunks have not been there. And that was his biggest calling card. At NC State, I mean, we're talking 50-yard touchdowns, 80-yard touchdowns. He returned a punt for a touchdown, kicks for touchdowns. He was a big play, explosive athlete in a variety of ways, receiving, running, kicking, whatever. But you didn't see that in his first year and a half, and obviously it takes a Chester Rogers injury to get him back on punt returns, and then voila. Here's Hines doing something that the NFL hasn't seen. And I think it's been 15 years, Joey, since the guy's had as many part return yards as Hines had yesterday. Looked a little Dante Hall-esque. Ooh, there's a name. Yeah. And it looked like uh, Naeem was doing a little Dion strut yeah, at, the end nice. of, at the end of the second touchdown. Um, I mean, even his 40-yarder to start the game. I mean, boom. Jacoby runs out there over the first series at the Carolina 36-yard line. Like, that is huge, and finally the Colts have fourth down go for them this season. I thought one of the more hilarious stats you will ever see in an NFL game was the net punting average for Michael Pilardi, the Carolina Panthers punter. Yikes. Three punts, Joey. Average of negative 12 yards punting. Not a great day. If you have the Colts' defense and fantasy – and you were playing a championship league, good for you. Yep. Which, you know, you might have. Rookie quarterback. Sure. Like, that wouldn't have been the craziest thought in the world there. Um, Jim Irsay giving Naeem Hines the game ball. And this is what we're looking for, I think, at this point of the season. Like what I said earlier about, oh, they showed great effort. They executed. Some people might not give a shit about that, which, 
that's fine. Yeah. But I think you can look at individuals, Joey, young players in particular, and if they can show you something now, not only is that confidence for themselves, but it's confidence in this coaching staff moving forward. And Naeem Hines better be your partner in 2020, and he better continue to play a big role offensively. I see one catch for him yesterday for two yards and one carry for four yards. The dude has got to touch the football. And Frank Reich, I think, has got to scheme him up a little bit better to get him in space. Because, you know, he's obviously not Christian McCaffrey. But, like, there is the Sproles element to his game and why Reich was so adamant the Colts needed to draft him in the fourth round back in 2018 when he got when he got here. So, um, you know, you saw the 4.38 40-yard dash, the fastest of any running back at the Combine in 2018. And, you know, Frankie Ross, the team's assistant special teams coach, he has stayed after practice with Naeem even last year of being like, dude, trust me, there will come a point in time in your career where you're going to return punts. I know it's been hell for you this year. But there will be a time. And I don't fault, you know, I see a lot of people, which I think this comes up often, of like, why didn't the Colts turn to Hines earlier as punt returner? We watch punt returns all the time. I don't think Chester Rogers dropped one ball all offseason. Remember, it was Paris Campbell and Chester Rogers mm-hmm. for that punt return job. And Paris Campbell couldn't hold on to it at all. Yeah. And the Colts felt like, okay, Chester is reliable. Yes, he fields a couple inside the 10 that make you want to go crazy. But can you imagine if the Colts would have thrown Hines back there and he would have dropped the first punt? Everybody would have been saying, what the hell are they doing? He couldn't catch it in the preseason. What what makes you think he can catch it now? Yeah. But what the Colts did a good job of is they built up his confidence. They didn't put too much on his plate at the start of this season. And now he has the confidence. When Rodgers goes down a few weeks ago, Boom, there's Hines going out there, and he's able to step up and make some big, big plays for you. So um, that was that that was fun to see. And, and it, it, it's a play that – it's a game that I thought Hines had a great quote after the game. Even in my dreams, I didn't play this well. You know, I mean, it was something that you just never, never see. And uh, like I said, deserved game ball from uh, the owner, Jim Merson. Sometimes, KB, it feels like when a rookie quarterback comes in, you know, he can have a kind of winged type of attitude. You haven't seen him on film. Maybe some things can break his way. That was not the case yesterday for for Will Greer against this defense. No, you know, two two plays into the game, and the Colts had already forced more incompletions than they had the week prior against Drew Brees. So, um, yeah, Will Greer helps you out in that. But I thought the Colts' defense, for the most part, stepped on Carolina's throat. And that's what you should do, especially when DJ Moore leaves the game in the second series. You start the game off with back-to-back three and outs. That was huge. That was complimentary football. Um, and, and, yes, everyone will point to the playmaking and say, like, oh, my gosh, five sacks and um, three interceptions. And, like, that's very, very noted. But Carolina moved it. They had four drives of at least 12 plays. Those four drives resulted in six points. When you see 12-play drives, you think, oh, my gosh, that's a touchdown, or at the very least, it's a 19-yard field goal. But no, the Colts stood tall on the defensive side of the ball, and it's a nice bounce back. Does that does yesterday's performance change my thinking of this Colts defense as a whole this season? No, no way. But they bounce back to Sear, Houston, Walker, 
Al-Qadim Muhammad, Grover Stewart. There was some nice individual playmaking out of that group. Um, I don't know why Carolina doesn't give the ball to Christian McCaffrey every play. That'd be a good good game plan, especially with a rookie quarterback. Frank Reich was talking on Saturday or on Friday that uh, the Eagles were going to draft Christian McCaffrey in 2017. Yikes. So Reich was obviously there. Mm-hmm. Carolina had eighth overall. I don't think they traded up. I think they were eighth. Uh, Philly had 14 overall. And, um, yeah, they uh, they were going to take him. But obviously Carolina. Now, the Eagles still won the Super Bowl. But <laughs> Christian McCaffrey in that offense could have yeah. been pretty pretty potent. But uh, that dude's a stud, man. He's yeah. a real – wow. He's good. And Will Greer just got in the mode late in the game where it was like, all right, either I'm going to check it down to McCaffrey or I'm going to throw the ball and just pray that we get a pass interference penalty. And more often than not, the Colts came down with it. We talked yesterday when I was filling in for Jersey Johnny on what is the identity of this team. Feel like I didn't really know, you know, they say run the damn ball, but then they're not not able to do it. But yesterday they, they seemed to have more of that identity rushing the football. Yeah, over 200 yards rushing. Just a tremendous effort. Um, happy for Marlon Mack. You know, I think coming into the year to get over 1,000 yards, you know, people were rightfully so, to a degree, I think, questioning his durability and his consistency. You don't rush for 1,000 yards in what he played 13 games played through yesterday without being durable and being consistent and obviously a major major uh, pat on the back to the offensive line for helping him get that mark Jordan Wilkins had a big game yesterday what do you have he had nine for 84 Mac had 16 for 95 your running backs average five and a half a carry now Carolina's run defense I believe it will finish this season with the second worst yards per carry allowed since 1970. Yikes. In the NFL. Mm. Not their, their franchise, obviously, hasn't been around that long, but they're terrible stopping the run. But you know what? The Colts haven't been very good running the football the last two weeks. Better run defenses, but still be dominant. That, I think, has been a disappointing element here, you know, in, in the stretch that ultimately cost you the, the playoff berth was – your strength was not your strength and not as reliable as you felt like it should have been. Uh, but Mac was outstanding. You know, again, Wilkins was big as well. And, you know, we could debate, I guess, again, second contract running back extensions and all that, but I feel like Marlon Mack deserves an extension this summer. I wouldn't do anything crazy. Certainly probably wouldn't give him more than maybe three years, but – you rush for a thousand yards. You prove that you can stay healthy. I think Marlon Mack deserves that. So last week we didn't have anything that you liked. No, people thought we were off air. Right. We had the long pause. Yeah, about ten seconds mm-hmm. just to drive home. Yeah, nothing to like about that game against the no. Saints. But this week you only have one thing that you didn't like. So vast improvement here, and that was the passing offense. Yeah, vast improvement for sure. But rightfully so, this deserves to be on here. Um, Jacoby Brissett's numbers, Joey, 14 of 27 mm-hmm. for 119 yards, quarterback rating of 63.7, completion percentage of 51.9. Kind of just feels like that's who Jacoby is in a little bit, right? A little. Naeem Hines had 76 yards more on punt returns than Jacoby Brissett had throwing. 
Now, three drops. Adding three drops. Pat, that Pascal drop is so rare. Um, that Marcus Johnson had one, and was Inman have the other? Somebody had the other. Um, but still, you know, it's just I, I, I kind of find it odd that like we're seeing these articles be written like yesterday that like we will point back to this game as the game that we knew Jacoby wasn't the franchise quarterback. I'm like, people, <laughs> we knew this a long before. Yeah. A meaningless game against the Carolina Panthers in Week 16, Kevin's but it's corner did. Yeah, yeah, sure. it's just kind of like, hello, uh, have you been watching? Um, they tried the no huddle, they tried the up tempo, and they and they moved the ball with that. Uh, I mean, they were, I think they had red zone drives on four of their first five series, so I mean, definitely moved it, but still, the accuracy was just not where you need it to be. And I just see this regression in his game, Joey, where it's been 52, 51% the last three weeks. And when quarterbacks, young players should be ascending at this point in the season, his arrow has gone down. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is alarming. Again, there are several alarming things about his game. You could look at the fourth quarter play. You can look at the yards per attempt. You can look at certainly how he's regressed here late into the second season of him being a full-time starter. Those are the alarming things. Um, and, yeah, I just, you know, I – but what, what do you make of Ursay's comments? Do you see those? Mm-mm. So Ursay says him. before the game – Oh, the one that wrapped before? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, that was odd. Yeah, okay, so here it is. Ursay. Going into the offseason, we have to proceed as if Andrew is officially retired. So that's how we operate now. From talking to Andrew, we have to take him at face value for what he says. So Chris Ballard and I and Coach Reich, we have to move forward, and we are with Jacoby and the next draft and thereafter. The whole officially retired thing, it's like, so have you talked about it? Is there any inclination? Like, When I hear officially on? retired, I think, that means there's been another conversation. Wasn't he officially retired August 24th? Right. I mean, once you fill out your papers, you are officially retired. But, like, I have to think there has been one conversation since August 24th. Maybe there's been more. Who knows? Maybe they're still ongoing. What do you make of the next draft? And we are with Jacoby and the next draft and thereafter. We have to move forward. It's like <laughs> he didn't want to leave anybody out. But, you know what I mean? He wanted to leave all options on the table. Yeah. So it could be Jacoby. It could be this draft. This comment from Ursay, that is the most candid you will hear him, Ballard, or Reich be in the next four months about quarterback. I'd be stunned if Ballard or Reich said something on record about the need to seriously upgrade a quarterback. Oh, yeah. I'd be shocked. Um, You know, I remember when Ballard was in Kansas City and they, they draft Mahomes. He leaves in January to take the GM job here. They, they draft Mahomes in April. But they were obviously deep entrenched to that point and scouting Patrick Mahomes. And, like, they were so secretive about acting like quarterback was a need that they would hide any sort of quarterback talk from, like, ever even being on their team website. Like, they just went to the nth degree to, like, never bring up quarterbacks. So I assume the same sort of secrecy and plan will be in place here mm-hmm. because you aren't in this obvious quarterback position. Well, 
I shouldn't say that. To many, it is pretty obvious. But, like, it's not like you're drafting one overall and right. you're the Bengals. Um, there's obviously some indecision on whether you trade up or whether you stand pat or do you wait till the second round, all of those things. I didn't think any of the Ursa comments were earth-shattering. I guess it's officially retired me, to me means you've had another conversation with him and Lux made it clear he's not coming back. And then secondly, when you say the draft, that's Ursay just being like, I watch the same games you do, guys. We got to draft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now it's where is that draft pick? You know, how much of the draft capital? But, um, you know, Jacoby yesterday, I, I didn't think his no, – those numbers are horrible. 14 to 27 for 119 is horrible. 119, dude? Dude, that's so bad. That's 4.4 yards per attempt. Which, that's the metric Frank Reich – Frank Reich's favorite trait for a quarterback is accuracy. The metric he grades a passing offense on more than anything is yards per attempt. He sees 4.4. Dude, that's like you seeing Duck Hodges get under center. Oof. Sorry. That was low by me. But it's just bad. You know? It's like opening up underwear on Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, Really? You, you get know. some Duluth. Yeah, that could be pretty nice. Is that a new sponsor I that I didn't know about? Yeah, I'm just saying, Duluth, you're out there. <laughs> I'd be all right to get some of those. Um, It's bad. 4.4 yards per attempt is really, really bad. Um, Again, I didn't think his number – like, I don't think his play yesterday was as bad as those numbers look like. He still did a really good job of – Escaping the pocket, picking Dude, up some first downs. That's his greatest strength. Yeah. I, t- I tweeted this out yesterday. His greatest strength is making the first man miss every time. That first rusher in his face, yeah. that dude never finishes the play. That's probably his greatest strength. Being a great leader is up there as well, and then protecting the football. Those are probably the three things he does the best. Yeah, and I, I'm finding it hard to find a fourth. Well, at least he's got three, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, it's not like he's. It's not like we're watching. Duck Hodges again. I know. Yeah, yes, I'll sorry. say. Um. <laughs> so yeah. Jacoby, um, the passing offense again. Three drops. You'd like to see better there from this team. Um. And I feel like when you look at the no huddle, Joey, a lot of people are like, "Well, why why didn't you go to it early, earlier in the year?" Couple things. Reich is a big believer that you have to have superior offensive personnel to go to no huddle. The Colts don't have superior offensive personnel. It's a lot on the quarterback's plate as well. Yeah. That speaks for itself. Um, It limits a little bit what you can do in the play-action game, coming off of, you know, having a committed rushing attack. Yes, the Colts ran it great yesterday, but I would – let me look at the first half stats really quick. Um, shit, they still have a ton at halftime. 98. Oh, God, Jacoby ran for 24 on one play. He actually was moving on that play. Um, So I think those are a couple of reasons why. And then lastly, this past week, you didn't have a single offensive player on the injury report. So you had everyone healthy, practicing. That, I think, helped as well. So those are some of the reasons. You want to get into uh, Twitter questions? Yes, sir. All righty. All right, let's start with Scotty. With T.Y.'s contract ending next season, if the Colts don't fix the QB situation, which still exists, how much do you think he asks for, or does Hilton ride into the sunset with his Colts career and end it? 
Oh, no, I I think, I mean, honestly, doesn't T.Y. have a good amount of leverage right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just with looking at the other wideout core. But, um, you know, I would think something in the three-ish year range, three to four. I mean, Hilton is 30 years old. There's been some injuries for sure. Um, but still, I mean, <laughs> you got nobody. Nobody that you're going to say, oh, yeah, that guy's going to go, you know, be an 800-yard, 1,000-yard guy for you without e- any hesitancy next season. So, you know, when you talk extensions, Joey, Ryan Kelly, T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack, I think are my first three names on the list, and probably the only only names really on the list to me, unless I'm just o- overlooking somebody. Yeah, from Mitch, true or false, Haig greater than Glowinski? Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, Glow, yeah, he had the one sack. I was just horrible. I gave up. I didn't think Haig was perfect when he was in there either. Uh, Mitch is a very anti Mark Lewinsky um, person. <laughs> He's literally messaging me, I think, every week about it. That's 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 a bit low on my list of like off season. There are more important needs than being like you must replace Mark Lewinsky. No questions asked. Could you upgrade? Sure, but again, I've got about five or six needs that are more important than that. Patrick says that Ian Rappaport put out that announcement, sent it to you, that the Colts would address the quarterback this offseason through the draft. Ursay also put out a vague comment as well in regards to the position and mentioned Andrew Luck. What's your take? I don't know if he, like, 100% said they're going to draft a quarterback. He just threw in, like, oh, yeah, there is the draft. Like, yes, okay, yeah, you're right. Um, I don't think it's groundbreaking news, Joey. I think what it is is they've had a discussion or two with Luck. He's officially retired. They also know that the draft is there, and I mean, Jim Irsay is a smart human being. There's no way he looks at this quarterback play this season and thinks that's acceptable, yeah. you know? And he also realizes that I'm not going to throw Jacoby under the bus because he's a very capable backup spot starter, and he's still under contract for next year. And, you know, just because you draft the quarterback doesn't mean that guy's necessarily going to be your starter. So I thought he, you know, again, I, I don't, I don't read into it and be like, oh, my gosh, the Colts are drafting a quarterback round one. But what I read into it is luck is content changing diapers, and you're going to draft a quarterback. From Wake Spike, we know everyone likes Brissett despite his shortcomings at quarterback. What are the odds they try and put as many pieces in possible areas of this need uh, in the draft? Also accrue more draft capital, avoid the quarterback position, and then wait until 2021 for a QB with the ability for a higher pick and more complete ready-made team fan of the pod happy holidays happy holidays as well um i i get the question joey i don't love delaying it one more year you know i i I just don't because then it's almost like that chuck pagano year of 2017 like what are we doing exactly exactly that's a perfect way to put it ty hilton's another year older justin houston's another year older hell darius leonard and quentin nelson are another year old like if you have, if you like one of these quarterbacks in 2020, which is is a question, like you have to answer that. That to me is the one that you really, really have to look into, and say, all right, we've got the bridge quarterback for a year. Like, what are you going to draft the quarterback in 20? Or yeah, draft the quarterback in 2021, and then he's just immediately going to come in here and be your starter from day one. Like you don't have the bridge year with Brissett in 2021 like you do here in 2020. So. I, I understand it, and I acknowledge there are more needs than just finding a franchise quarterback. But to me, when you delay that, you just inevitably push back the biggest question about this franchise. Um, so as long as you like somebody, 
in this draft class, that's the route that I think you got to take. Rob wants to know how much of the O line's woes this year can be attributed to Jacoby's ability or inability to read the D and make adjustments at the line. What has contributed? How much of th- that for the O line's woes would, oh, would you consider? Like, uh, yeah, I, I don't think the offensive line has been that bad. Like, definitely not that bad. Last year they were great. This year they've been, I think, pretty good. You know, I, I don't. I don't want to act like, again, the offensive line to me is like not in the top eight reasons of why you're going to miss the playoffs. Did you take advantage of a healthy group up front as much as you should have? No. Um, but still, I, I, I don't think, I mean, from a hurry sack standpoint, I mean, Jacoby's holding on to the ball like fifth or sixth longest in the league. So, and yet, there's no vertical passing game to show for it. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna fault the O line too much. Matt says I'm interested to hear you and Joey discuss. Reich saying Chad Kelly will not play in the last two games. That's fine with me, but why would you waste a roster spot for him, letting guys like Kane go? It, it's a really fair question. Um, I don't understand why Chad Kelly's not your backup for the final two games. Like yesterday, that could have been a great opportunity to get him a series or two at the end. It almost feels like he doesn't want to give in to the fans. You know what I mean? I know that's not it, but it, it yeah. feels like a certain way. It's like, no, I'm not going to do this. This isn't Rudy. You know, I'm not going to throw him out there because everybody's chanting his name. Yeah, and obviously, um, in no way is he, like, ever going to be like, oh, the fans want it so much, I'm not going to go there. Right. Like, you know, right beats to his own drum. But they, they clearly like Chad Kelly. Why else would you keep on your 53-man roster? Like, they like him. They want to have that security. That's why they don't want to put him on the practice squad because they know late in the season other teams would nab him like the Colts did with Stephen Morris a few years ago. They're much more likely to nab him now than they were, you know, earlier in the year when he was exposed to waivers after the suspension. So, I I just, I, I don't get the whole, let's have 34-year-old Brian Hoyer be the backup. Mm-hmm. You know what the hell Brian Hoyer is. You don't know. You don't know what Chad Kelly is, so um, that's why I'd be having Kelly as the backup. Deion Kane had a couple more nice catches yesterday. Did he against the Jets? And that, so that was the week. It was that Miami week when you promoted Kelly, you cut Kane, uh, you promoted Marcus Johnson that same week, and, and you cut someone else. The Colts have never been in that big, and this is now going down the Deion Kane route. The Colts have never been in that big of a roster number battle that they needed to cut Deion Kane. Never. They were never. I bet the most inactives they've had hurt all season long. Four, maybe five, and I can't think of a game in the last two months where they've had more than three guys ruled out on a Friday. From Alex, the wide receiver class for this year's draft is considered to be incredibly deep. Would it make sense for the Colts to pick the best wide receiver available with their pick, or should they try and trade up to get a franchise quarterback? Well, you know, can you try and do both? Obviously, you would trade up. That would mortgage some draft capital, but could you keep one of those second-rounders, you know, and still try to tap into this 2019 wideout class? And that's, you know, maybe the biggest argument, or maybe not the biggest argument, but just the biggest hesitancy in moving up for for an elite franchise quarterback. There are other needs, and how do you take care of those other needs? Now, many might say, who gives a, you know, what about the other needs? It's quarterback or bust. Like, I also understand that that line of thinking as well. But, you know, I would say for now, Joey, 
you know, if you moved up from like, I think you're at 16 right now after yesterday's loss or yesterday's win. I say loss because to some people it was a loss because mm-hmm. you moved down the draft order. Um, you're at 16. If you were to move up to 10 or 8, you know, you'd be giving up at least a second rounder and probably a little bit more. But again, you've got the other second rounder. So what could you do there to, you know, draft the sixth best wideout in the class that in normal years might be the number two or three best wideout? From this person's obviously ready for a quarterback or bus talk. Tua Love Herbert season <laughs> at Smooth Smith. I know he doesn't get talked about a lot, but how good has Anthony Walker been to this Colts defense? Seems like I see him make at least a couple plays every Sunday. He's also very durable. Yeah, what a what a great, great find in the fifth round. Um, by Chris Ballard back in 2017. You know, it's kind of weird that 2017 draft, Joey. Marlon Mack, an A. Anthony Walker, probably B plus, you know, something like that. Grover Stewart has really come on this year. And then it's like Terrell Basham, F. Zach Banner, F. Quincy Wilson, D minus. You know, Malik Hooker, C. I mean, you draft a safety at 15 overall, and he hasn't even, you know, sniffed the Pro Bowl yet. It's like... You don't you don't love that three years into it, so it is very kind of Jekyll and Hyde at that draft class where your impact guys are more of your day three guys out of that group. But they love just the cerebral nature of Anthony Walker, and you know he lost a little bit of weight to play in this scheme, and um, yeah, he's such a solid solid player. Laura asks, should I be pre-ordering my son a Jordan Love jersey to beat the crowd? <laughs> Dude, just popped in my head, that Panthers dude, what summed up the game yesterday for the Panthers guy that punched Doyle, he, he punched the wrong guy. Right. He was supposed to punch Gl- Mark Lewinsky. Saw four and a white guy with a beard and Boom. just went at it. Yeah. God, that's a great point. Yeah, beard, four, white dude. Yeah. Um, Jordan Love jersey. I saw um, I saw someone in the stands yesterday took the luck jersey and made it into a love jersey. Really? Yeah, you know. Just kept the L and then yeah, put Yeah, the- got the one and turned the two into the zero. And Do you watch into that bowl game on Friday with Jordan no, Love? No, but he put up some numbers. Did put up some numbers, yeah. I uh, That's on my to-do list to go back and re-watch that at some point this offseason. Stan Cal, do you think we can try to glean, up, glean the traits that Reich would want in a future franchise quarterback via his play calling for the fa- past few years, or do you think that too much of his offenses have revolved around Brissett, Luck, Foles, Wentz, skill sets for us to get a good picture? Oh, no. I, I, I think you can definitely um, – let me pull that out. I actually asked Reich this very question um, a few weeks back. Elite accuracy is the number one trait that he wants, um, and then – the cognitive ability to be able to process information really quick. Um, and toughness, mental, physical toughness. So that's a little bit harder to weigh. You know, it's going to be tough for us to like, oh, that quarterback has great mental, physical tough toughness. Oh, they have great cognitive ability. Like, obviously, we're not behind the scenes at the Combine. So be accuracy, you can see a little bit more than you can those other things. But those are the traits. Um, accuracy is clearly the number one physical trait that he looks for, like in terms of throwing the football as a quarterback. Um, but it's processing information and it's you know showing the toughness. And if you look at a guy like Jacoby Brissett, toughness is without a question. He checks that box. It's the other things that I think you worry about. From Chance, why was Jacoby throwing a fit on the sidelines? Well, yeah, I saw that. Um, 
He was really pissed when Glowinski let up a sack late in the game. This is fourth quarter, so I assume it was something along those lines he didn't want to reveal after the game at all why he was that mad. But, yeah, he was pissed, man. He was – that was probably – he, like, left he like left one part of the bench, went over to the other part to talk to Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer tried to talk to him. He wanted no part of it. and Yeah, it was odd. You don't usually see that out of him. From Zach, hey, Kevin, over the weekend, Jim Mercer had some thoughts on the future quarterback. Do you feel like internally he's told Ballard he wants a new quarterback? Um, That's a good question. Part of me would like to think that Chris Ballard went to Jim Mercer and said, we need a new quarterback, <laughs> and not needing Jim Mercer to go tell Chris Ballard that right. we need a quarterback and I need a quarterback. So you'd like to think everyone's on the same page there. Um, you know, Jim Mercer, I think – I think he does a really good job, Joey, of not meddling, but also having a respected enough football mind to where that can come up in a conversation and he can give his opinion, and the GM's not going to disregard it like other GMs might do to their own ownership. So I, I don't know if he's outright told them, but I again, I would be very surprised if the Colts got into Saturday the draft and didn't, didn't take a quarterback. And, you know, I don't know, maybe – does that mean free agent? Does that mean trade for a quarterback? I'm not all about that, but you know that's at least an option you got to look into. From Casey with a K, can't think of a good question. Just wanted to wish you and Joey a Merry Christmas. Best podcast in Indy. Oh, thank you, Casey. Appreciate that. Merry Christmas to you yeah, as well. That's awesome. Thanks for always chiming in and listening. Yeah, Casey. Casey's a popular one. From my guy Danny, Big Diesel. Do the Colts think Reich can develop a raw second-tier quarterback into the guy? Do you think so? Personally, I think you got to go big for a Burrow or a Tua. Otherwise, I'm skeptical. Signed, idiot who was talking Brissett extension. Well, Danny, I'm glad you said it. I was thinking it. Um, but, no, in all seriousness, I, I, I appreciate the question. And I, I think it's a it's a very real question, and it's something that we got to look into, Joey, because, you know, when you talk head coaches around the NFL and you combine – what that head coach did as a player, and now what he's done as a coach, I'm going to make the argument that Frank Reich has the best quarterback background of about any head coach. Yeah. So when you then go to developing a young quarterback that might not be the first-round pick, but it might be, you know, whatever, Jalen Hurts or, you know, Jacob Eason or Nate Stanley or uh, the kid from Wake Forest, like whoever – um, you know, that's where I think you you get into there's gotta be an element of trust and belief you have in your coaching staff as well. Some development is gonna be needed. There's no one ready made. E- even Burrow. So I have faith that Wright can do that, but I'd probably want to invest my eggs in a little bit more of a sure thing than that. And also, too, it's like, you know, how long are you delaying this process? You draft a quarterback in the third or fourth round, and it's like, oh, no, you know, they aren't going to make a true impact for three or four years. Now you're really kind of getting behind the eight ball. For sure. So, to me, and I know this sounds greedy, but like, (laughs) and this is very lofty, but I think it's very important for wherever the Colts draft a quarterback this draft. It'd be really nice if that impact came in the same time frame that Watson 
Mahomes and Jackson have made their impact. Maybe not to that level. All three of them have been either. I mean, you're talking two. You're the last two MVPs of the NFL. Maybe it's not to that level, but like, maybe it's just on that 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 second tier to where you felt like there was a chance you could make the playoffs with Jacoby at quarterback. Maybe the, maybe with this rookie quarterback or this young quarterback, you see more of those plays being made, and you do make the playoffs without that quarterback individually being like, oh my gosh, he's a top five player in the league, no questions asked. From Tommy, what do you read into the Ursay comments? Do you think that he was just saying what he's supposed to say with the season still going on, or do you think they have recently talked to Luck about returning and he's already turned them down? Yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah, I think Luck is. I mean, who knows, man? Unless Luck is like, hey, I, I, I'm not going to give you an honest answer to the offseason. That's unfair to Jacoby, but... I, I would like to think that like those comments come from at least something where these two parties have talked since you know late August, because um, I'm sure there at least was some sort of reaching out process during when when he had the kid, or when um when Nicole had the kid. So making sense of what Jim Mercy says it can be really tough. Yeah, yeah, definitely. but again. I think there has been a chat. And I also look at those comments and think, all right, draft-wise, they're going to use something significant on the quarterback. From feeling free, would you try and get Carr from the Raiders? Looks like they want to move on, and he does fit Reich's offense. I wouldn't. It's a lot of money, right? Well, that and I don't know. I I, I have like a, a version, I think, of signing or trading for a quarterback. Is that unfair? What do you mean? Like, I'm against, I think, the Colts trying to find a quarterback via free agency or the draft because I just feel like every player in the NFL has some sort of scarring and the room to like fully reach that player's ceiling has shrunk to a degree. Whereas if you draft a rookie, that to me is like, oh my gosh, there's the potential that possibly it could be a Jackson, possibly a Mahomes, possibly a Watson, like those sorts of things. I just don't know how many quarterbacks have like moved to another team and then reached the incredible ceiling that you thought was there for that quarterback coming out of college. Drew Brees being probably the 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 rarest example, but more often than not, retread quarterbacks are you know, just retread for a reason. Yeah. So I get it. I'm sure Derek Carr has some qualities that Reich likes, but I don't know, man. That that probably would go down the route of your helping out more of an immediate need and providing a quicker answer to it, but you know, I I just look at the opportunity of where you're positioned in the draft how this quarterback class seems to be stacking up in 2020. That, to me, is kind of music to my ears if I'm Chris Bauer or Frank Reich. Sean wants to know, why are we not using Hines more often? Well, see, I, I think that is the biggest question you can have with Hines. Again, going back to the Chester Rogers thing, Chester Rogers, I don't think he had a muff. I mean, I guess he had the, the, the crazy safety play in Pittsburgh, but I don't think he had an outright punt muff all year where he fumbled it and lost it. And he was like a top five or top ten punt returner in yardage. So not putting Hines back there isn't that crazy to me. It's more of offensively, 
how can you not get him in space a little bit more and get him involved? Um, I mean, there there's some crazy stat. I wrote an article. I tweeted out yesterday. I'd have to double check the stats, Joey. But basically, last year, and I'm throwing out these numbers. They aren't 100 percent right. He didn't have a. I want to say it was like a catch over 25 yards or a run over 20 yards. There was like 200 people in the NFL that had a catch over 25 yards and another 120 that had a run over 20 yards. Like, given Hines' resume in college, you would have expected him to have had that, and he just hasn't. So, yeah, that's 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 a little head, head scratchy to me. But, you know, that falls on right shoulders of like, all right, it's time for him to get more involved offensively and make get him in more space opportunities. That is the key. Let him do stuff with the ball in his hands because, I mean, outside of a late half check down, like, like little things. Like, I like the fact that against the Saints, they put Hines at fullback on a play, mm. and Brissett gave it to him kind of on like a counter. Like so, a like a little Sally, like a like a slam underneath. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. And and again, that that's something to where you're moving him around the offense. You're ha- having him touch the ball a little bit in unique ways, and that's something that I would continue to try to uh, tap tap into. From Steve says Kevin, yesterday's win, though fun, still highlighted the offense's severe limitations in the passing game and against a terrible defense. And Ernest was wrong according to your eyes and ears. One more time, sorry. Uh, basically just saying yesterday's win was fun, but the offense still limited even against a bad defense. What's what's wrong with it? Well, again, I think it comes back to inconsistent quarterback play um, and some regression in that area in a negative way. And then the pass catchers didn't help out. I mean, the, there were three drops yesterday. Like, okay, that doesn't up his completion percentage a whole lot, but whatever, you're 59%. And, I mean, hell, Jacoby caught one of his passes, so that also helped him. Um, but again, I, I think that's where it mostly starts. And then still, I just, it's weird. I feel like some wideouts are open, but I still don't look at that group and be like, there's superior talent in that group. Mm-hmm. There's just not. And Hilton was again quiet yesterday. He played like a little bit more than 50% of the snaps and had three catches for 20 yards. I mean, Hilton is going to have such a career low in yards per reception. Again, I'm not talking quantity of, like, receiving yards or catches or touchdowns. Just yards per reception. This offense and this quarterback has really limited his big playability. Max has a hypothetical here. It says, if you get to choose three players from the whole NFL to put on the Colts roster, who would it be? For me, it's Mahomes, Michael Thomas, and Aaron Donald. Donald's probably good. Yeah. Well, yeah, Donald's really good, but yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'd probably take Mahomes. I might take Julio over Michael Thomas. Man, Michael uh, Thomas is really good. Yeah, really, really good. Um, and maybe I'm falling into like Sports Center syndrome where I'm just like, give me a couple more highlights. Not so, flashy enough. Yeah, which I know is so dumb to say, but I don't know. I feel like I can go throw Julio a jump ball and he comes down with it. Like, Drew Brees helps out Michael Thomas a lot. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Michael Thomas is unbelievable, but, you know, if Jacoby's throwing the ball 
Julio's going to have to be prepared to come come down with a few more balls outside of his catch radius. From Jack, every Colts. How about you? Are you are you are you? Am I missing anybody? Well, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about different people on the defensive on the side. Bosa brothers. Uh, yeah, Nick Bosa would probably be really good. Yeah, I mean, shit. T.J. Watt's coming on. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that. Obviously, don't want him off the Steelers, but then he's three four guy. Yeah, the, the, yeah, that is a good point. What about DeAndre Hopkins? He's probably more so in that, yeah, he can help out a quarterback just with his catch radius, as they say. Christian McCaffrey would be fun. Yeah. That's just a reliable dude that yeah. always get get the ball to him and right. he'll make something happen. All right, from Jack. Every Colts fan wanted the team to lose out when the playoffs were out the window. I understand, but I cannot cheer for losses myself. Can you give me a reason to be happy with a W? It's a win. I mean, <laughs> you like to win more than you like to lose. Like, duh. Do you want to cheer for your team? So right, you yeah. Win? I mean, again, I've, I've, I've mentioned this several times in the podcast. I'm never going <laughs> to get mad or think fans are idiots for wanting their team to win. There's only 16 of these games every year. You know, you, you you might as well cheer for wins, but I certainly hear for other people that um, want to see the Colts get a high draft pick. So, yeah, Jack, we should be – I mean, that was a fun, unique game to watch. You know, Naeem Hines is doing his thing, and your defense is making some big plays, and, and you ran the football pretty well. So, um, yeah, I, I don't – yes, it hurts you in the in the draft stock order and things like that, but still – a win is a win, and the Colts have only had only done it one time, like in the last two months before that. From Bill, why haven't we seen more Hines on punt returns this year? Why Rodgers? It just seems like Reich has held the team back with things like this all year. Now he did things differently with Brissett. WTF? Someone needs to be held responsible for the complete meltdown this year. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go all the way there. Um, again, Rodgers was not muffing the football. And was giving you what you needed. They were a top five, top ten punt return unit. Hines admitted he needed a confidence boost. He needed multiple, multiple reps in practice, in preseason games. Um, I think before, he felt confident in himself and going out there. So, in no way, shape, or form am I saying that, like, not putting Hines out there is as damning as the Vinatieri stuff and... With Jacoby, I don't know, man. It's I mean, what are you gonna do? You think starting Brian Hoyer would have changed things, or like, you know, I think he was just talking about like now they now they're adding the wrinkle of no huddle. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the no huddle wrinkle. Yeah, I I really just think is he didn't trust Jacoby fully, trust the offensive personnel. Like so many changing pieces at the receiver position week in week out. Um, I I think that's. That that was a bigger issue to me. From T, he says, no question. Just want to wish you and Joey Merry Christmas, and thank you for the great Colts coverage all the way from London. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thanks for tuning in, and yeah. Across Merry, the pond for London Merry taxi Christmas. scent. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so we got Ireland, London. Look at us. I think somewhere else. Yeah. KB Worldwide. I love it. Why? From we Zach. Should, we should do one of those maps, man, and, you know, yeah, put a little thumbtack. Sure. Everyone has. Uh, from Zach, love the show. I know it's a total shot in the dark, but do you think Ballard's draft will be much more offense-oriented balance between the two or another heavy defensive draft class? Oh, I, I think it's got to it's gotta lean towards offense, but defensive line, I think, is a definite position group to look into during the draft. I think that is something you have to look into. 
you know, we can make the argument corner. Nice bounce back game for Pierre Desir. Uh He he played better yesterday. I think he had five passes defense. So, um, so yeah, that was uh, that is something where I think last year you were what defense on seven of your first eight picks. This year, I think it doesn't need to be as offensive heavy as last year was on the defensive side of the ball. But I think more than half your picks, especially the premium picks, need to be on offense. Uh, from Donnie Vig, this last one I got here. Did Brissett's injury derail his season, or did defensive coordinators just figure him out? The injury seemed to be the turning point. See, that's where I disagree with people on this. You go back to week three, Joey. Jacoby Brissett hasn't had one game. Over 67%. One game and completing more than 67% of your passes. That's week three. That's mm. way pre-injury. Didn't miss a single practice with the injury. Frank Reich's talked about how guys play through this injury. I mean, that 24-yard run, he didn't look hurt to me. Like, I just, I can't go there. I just think we've seen regression from him. We've seen, like, like the question alludes to, there's film on him in a Frank Reich offense. People, I think, have found out how to attack him and get after him a little bit more. So I think those are those are the reasons. If you're talking about a young player in the back end of his second year, and we'll say second year for him and that this is kind of his second year being a full-time starter, you usually see players ascend. We're seeing that chart go the other way for him. That arrow is pointed down here recently. And again, if you look at the injury and just the stats since then, it's definitely gotten worse. But there were signs of this earlier in the year that we were trying to point to yards per attempt. Probably was the biggest one, completion percentage a little bit. But like it was one of those things where just because he's throwing touchdowns inside the 10 or 20 yard line, that doesn't mean everything's right with a passing offense. Right. There's a lot more that goes into it than just finishing off drives with touchdown passes. Um, so, yeah. Just saw this. Doesn't have anything to do with the Colts, really, but apparently um, Beast Mode is Dude, open I saw to that. coming back to Seattle for the postseason. I so love that. That's wild. I love that. In the NFL world. Him and uh, Turbin. Yeah. Yeah, old Turbo. Robert Turbin. Coming back. Because they're really banged up at running back Seattle. Yep. Carson be- and um, Penny both out. Yeah. Yeah. I'd Man, I'd love to see Marshawn Lynch in the playoffs. That'd be wild. Yeah. That'd be a triumphant return like we've never seen. All right, man. Uh, you got anything else? Yeah. I got a couple here. What was the offensive tweak they were going to make? Hurry up, Jordan Wilkins. Uh, yeah, Scott. It was it was a hurry up. We, we touched on that a little bit earlier. Sam, do you leave this week with even more questions about the direction of the team? It's really hard to figure out what this team is based on game-to-game results. I, I don't look at Sunday's game, Joey, and think any differently about, about the 2019 Colts. They're a mediocre football team that wasn't good enough to make the playoffs. Carolina sucks. Like Bad. Seven seven in a row? I think they were 5-3, and three, now they're 5-10. and ten. Yeah, with a third-string rookie quarterback. Exactly. Um, and DJ Moore leaving early in the game and... Um, so yeah, I don't I don't look at yesterday and be like, oh my God, the Colts, you know, they were more ten and six. No, they're they're a mediocre five hundred football team. Dalton, do you think Leonard and Nelson get new contracts before the end of their rookie deals? I do, uh, but you still got time. You know, Leonard's only year year two of year four, and Nelson's year two of year five. 
Um, and I had one here from Matt. Oh, yeah, I think you already asked it. Those are about Chad Kelly and uh, the roster spot. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Yeah, that uh, that wraps up all of them for me. All right. All right, man. Uh, wow. This is it. Last regular season podcast. Really? Yeah. We're not doing one next week? Well, regular season. I mean, you know, this is it. I mean, we aren't. We aren't oh, we're not previewing. We don't have one more game to look forward to. We, we aren't doing one on Thursday. Okay. I wouldn't be in anyways. No, yeah. So we're not previewing Jacksonville. Dang. No one wants to talk about the Jaguars. It's just like we talked about last week, man. I mean, we were just at training camp. It just comes over. Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. Man, it's going to be a really weird. And it's at 425 now, too. (laughs) I can't believe that. That's so weird. Oakland. Oakland needs the Colts to win to try and get in the playoffs. God, how crazy is that? Um Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holidays. Happy New Year if we don't talk to you. As far as next week, a lot will depend on when Chris Ballard speaks. I want to kind of wait to see when that happens. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, we're going to get into our typical one a week in the offseason. Definitely open to any ideas you guys have and and topics specifically that you want us to talk about. But as we've done now for the last couple offseasons, there is plenty of – Plenty to get into in what will be the most important offseason this franchise has had, boy, in quite a while. Luck was pretty obvious. Manning was relatively obvious. I mean, I know you aren't making a coach-GM change, but oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, you got to figure out what do you need to do to address the most important position on your roster. So Mm -hmm. we really, really appreciate everyone tuning in, consistent listenership. I know it's been a bit of a trying season and, and um, a lot of turmoil, but uh, you guys have been really, really loyal, and that means a lot to Joey and I. So everyone have a safe and enjoyable holiday season, and uh, we'll talk to you soon here on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.